you like to stand for the gospel? Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Uh, just a word, this, uh, it is our habit to stand for the gospel. This is quite long, this gospel. If there comes a point where you uh, fancy a sit-down, that's really absolutely fine. It's wonderful, but it is quite long. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, so you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty, or keep having to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city, and they were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. 
The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well done. You stuck it through. Would you like to have your seats? And uh, Barney is going to come and speak to us. Good morning, everyone. Let's take a moment to sort myself out here. Um, And we've had quite a long story there, and... Uh, if by some miracle 100% of us listen to every word and has really clocked the whole story, could repeat it right now, then it'll be very easy. But just in case it isn't like that, and like me, your attention wandered a part of the story, you didn't hear part of it or whatever, um, I will try to just recap the story because we don't have service sheets where you can look at the, look at the text and so on. So we'll just work, just work with me on this and uh, we'll see if we can catch this story and then, and then uh, see what it tries to teach us. Uh, together. Um, Before we start, let me pray, please. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much. Uh, Thank you that we can trust you completely. Thank you that you speak to us through your word. And we pray that you would do that now in in a life-changing way. Help us each to receive what you want to hear from us and to put it into practice in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, this is the story of the woman at the well. Uh, It's a pretty famous story, uh, sort of semi-famous. It's not like the ones you hear at Christmas that everybody knows, but equally it's not something that's buried so deep in the Bible no one's heard it. It's a a well-known story, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. And for those of you who have a moment, it would be really well worth looking at it again uh, later today or sometime during the week and uh, getting familiar with it. It's my favorite story uh, of this morning because I spent a bit of time last night really getting into it and I'm very enthusiastic about it, so I'll share that with you. Um, Do you sometimes wonder uh, how to live your life? I mean, how actually to go about living every day in a way that's going to please God? Because there's so much to do, there are lots of worries, there are more worries than, than usual at the moment, uh, fears, there are difficulties, just stuff needs to be done, everything gets in the way. How are we supposed to actually live life? Um, life in all its fullness, which Jesus promises us in uh, John chapter 10. Well, this story gives us some answers to that, which is why it's currently my favorite story. It's about a woman. And she is fearful and troubled and uncertain. She's fearful and then she's rescued 
by the saviour of the world. She's troubled and is filled with living water by the end of the story. We'll come on to what that means. And she's uncertain, and she ends up knowing the truth. The word know is used at the end of the story. She and all her friends know the truth, where before they were uncertain. Jesus has been walking through Samaria. Samaria is basically in the middle of Israel. He was going from the south to the north. He needs to get to the north where Galilee is. He needs to get through Samaria. Or he'd have had to go a long way around. But Samaria was where the, that lot of people lived, the Samaritans. We don't talk to them. The, they, they, were the, they were considered, they were not Jews. Uh, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Obviously, they had to a certain amount, but you basically kept clear. And uh, the Jews thought they were much better than Samaritans. And Jesus is tired. He's walked about half the day. And he sits down by a well. And a Samaritan woman comes to the well to get water. And he asks her for a drink. She is astonished that he speaks to her. She's not only a Samaritan, but she's a woman. And a respected Jewish man would not speak to a Samaritan woman. He steps over the boundaries between her and him and simply asks her for a drink. That is how Jesus reaches every one of us. He steps over the boundary between him and us and very simply asks us to connect with him. Uh, We can be like that with our friends and neighbors and with people that no one else talks to. We can simply step over the boundary and connect with them, perhaps especially at a time like now. Uh, In passing, notice that he's tired and thirsty, we're told that, Uh, but he doesn't say, look, when I've had a drink, I've sorted myself out, I'll I'll see if I can have a chat with that woman because I prop my courage up to do that. Not at all, he is just being, he he is just there in his tiredness and his thirst. And he's staying close to his father and through the Holy Spirit and he's kind of just sensing And that leads him to talking to the woman, doing the non-obvious thing in that context. And it's such a life-changing encounter for her that we're still reading about it 2,000 years later. He just sat there in his tired, maybe not in his best, not on great form. We don't have to be on great form to be hugely used by God. We can be just as useful to God when we're tired or thirsty and weak. We can just be with him, and he will lead us into life-changing encounters at any point in the day, at any point in our lives, if we'll kind of relax and let ourselves just be with him. So he and the woman get into a conversation, and he offers her living water. Because it's a long story, I'm kind of bouncing through some of the main events. There's much more to it, so... Forgive me for passing over things. But he offers her living water. What is living water? It's what gives us life, eternal life. Most Christians will know what it feels like, at least at times, to have this sense of God's unstoppable force welling up inside us, giving us hope and freshness and vitality. It's a gift from God. 
Now, I imagine that living water is a bit like a beautiful, powerful river gushing down from a mountain. It's not defined in the text. So this is my imagination speaking. You imagine the most beautiful sort of waterfall gushing and bounding down a mountain. That's what the full Christian life is like, compared with still water from a well, which is good, but nowhere near as exciting or fulfilling. The woman thinks it sounds great. Sir, give me this water, she says. She, has a, she immediately says that. She's only just met him. She has a real longing, I think, which was there already, for the deep-down fulfillment that she senses Jesus is offering. You'd think Jesus would say, great, well, I'll, I'll give it to you. Here it is, straight away. But he doesn't. You know, there she is asking. No, instead, he changes the subject and asks her to call her husband. But she doesn't have a husband. She's had several marriages, and all of them have broken down. She's probably hurting massively. Jesus knows it all already, just as he knows all our pasts. He's gentle and compassionate with her, and he's just as gentle and compassionate with each of us. But he needed to put his finger on one of her big, perhaps her biggest hurts, one of her big regrets. It's as if he's saying, oh, I know all about it. You are safe with me. We all need to be honest with him about our past and our regrets so that he can heal us. He doesn't condemn, he forgives. And being forgiven is one of the most healing things of all. And who knows, in that culture, it was men who divorced women, uh, almost never the other way around. So perhaps she was the completely innocent party all the way through. So it's more about her being hurt and bruised than anything else. In any event, she feels safe enough to continue the conversation. Do look at it later if you get a moment. Basically, she asks, basically she asks him how, how to pray to God. How are we supposed to worship God? She's genuinely interested. Jesus tells her that real worship is not about turning up to a particular place and doing particular things, but worshiping God in spirit and in truth. That's how, he's, how he puts it. Real deep down bonding with God between our spirit and his. Not based on some imaginary made up religion, but based on truth. In spirit and in truth. It's all a bit deep for her. She's thinking, oh, I've just met you. We're into this very deep theology now. <laughs> so after all, she's only just come to fetch water from the well. Instead of ordinary water, she's getting living water. And it's pretty intense. So she says, look, I think, I think, see what you think when you read the text. I think she's trying to distract. She said, look, I, I, know, I know that uh, Messiah, which means God's anointed one that, they, that the Jews were expecting. I know that Messiah is coming. So when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She tries to put the conversation off to bed politely. I think we've had enough probably. She's very intrigued, but it, she's getting in over her head. And Jesus replies, I'm the Messiah. I imagine her jaw hit the floor. Um, you can almost hear the silence as she takes it in. The text kind of pauses. And some of us here have had a similar experience. The penny has dropped, either suddenly or slowly, and we've realized who Jesus is for the first time. 
or perhaps we've only dimly realized it, but it still feels like a revelation because it is a revelation. Fortunately for her, while she's lost for words, there's a distraction because just then the disciples return. They've gone into town to buy food and they've just come back. So now it's their turn to be surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman and they're lost for words. So you've got this kind of standoff going on. No one, there's just silence everywhere. And she recovers and leaves her water jar there and she goes back into town and says to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Christ means the same as Messiah, the anointed one. And they come out of the town and they meet him. And many of them believe in him because of what the woman says. Notice that. Because of what she says, they believe in him. They've just jumped ahead and placed their trust in him. And they invite him to stay with them, and he says yes. And he stays for two days in that town and talks with them. And because of everything they hear from him, many more became believers just in those couple of days. The best evangelists are often the people who have just come to the faith for the first time. They go straight off to tell people, and people come flocking. The people who invite others to the Alpha course are often the ones who just got to know Jesus, either through Alpha or some other way. So now we have what seems to be the first, community, first ever community of Christians, suddenly just growing up in Samaria, not in, among the Jews, the first community apart from the disciples who are following Jesus. And they're from a group that nobody even speaks to. So think of someone you know who no one really speaks to, or a group that many people look down on. It's like Jesus going to those people, that's what he wants us to do, and telling them the wonderful good news before he tells anybody else. He told the woman that he was the Messiah, and I don't think that he'd even told the disciples that yet. She gets first place. He was sending the most powerful signal that we are all equal. Well, getting used to that idea these days, it's very much what we talk about a lot. But then it was completely revolutionary. Still, we probably all have further to go in thinking of every human as fully equal to be profoundly respected. So let's do that with everyone we meet, counting them better than ourselves, as it says somewhere else in the Bible. All right, so what can we hang on to as we go into a new week? We can step over the boundary and connect with that person who might be someone we just haven't connected with or it might be someone no one really talks to. We can ask Jesus, just as the woman did, for living water, that gushing mountain stream, to make our lives wonderfully fulfilling. We can be honest with him about our past and our regrets, our hurts, so that he can heal us. And we can recognize him for who he is, the Messiah or anointed one. After his two days staying with the Samaritans, they said, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So let's pray. So Lord, in these uncertain times, like the woman at the start of the story, if we are feeling fearful, help us to realize that we can be rescued by the Savior of the world. 
if we are feeling troubled, please fill us with living water. If we are uncertain, help us to know the truth and help us to be great and natural evangelists like her, bringing joy and faith to many people. In Jesus' name, amen.